Hello, listeners. Welcome to Book Club. Mike Price and Johnny Graham here yet again talking about a new book this week. We certainly are. We certainly are. I love this music, Johnny. You're loving the funk. <laughs> it's just sort of... It's I, all I about the production. My life is so abstract. <laughs> you know, when I go home with my, my five-year-old says, what have you been doing today? It's just, it's just impossible to explain, so I don't explain So it. your five-year-old says, what have you been doing today? I've got a, a, a teenage daughter that's almost 17 whose mates fall about laughing at funny. this stuff. Um, well, they, they, they sit there watching A Pint with JG just laughing because I'm just like this dad in a tweed jacket that it's, in a, it's a funny world isn't it that so gives them an occasional cheeky beer so how's it going Johnny so we're on a new book today perfect close I thought that Anna Reno's book um, had a lot to live up to actually yeah we're on a run aren't we so, so, so you know this is this book really is like walk, walking out of McDonald's into another burger chain and yep. I'm not saying that to take the mickey you know I love a Big Mac <laughs> It's got it's got a lot to live up to. You seen it? the adverts with the, the the bacon Big Mac thing? Grand Big Mac and bacon. It's my birthday on the twenty first. That is where we're going. Right for lunch. Uh, for tea. Right, I'm in. And then it's my daughter's birthday on the twenty third. So I we're know. going again. I've made a note. <laughs> okay. So the, so the book had a lot to live up to. Is my point? Yes. It's a t- it's a, a to be fair. I, I think eat their lunch is going to be a hard act to follow. I'm, I think I, so. Yeah. But we're into it. We've got chapters one to three today of The Perfect Close by James Muir. Correct. Okay. I always like to have a sometimes look at the, the back page of some of these books. You're going to read the last page, yeah? Yeah. Well, no, the back page, the back cover page. James Muir is a professional sales trainer, speaker, and coach, and has instructed some of the biggest names in technology and healthcare. Um, and he's got a good uh, he's got a good little testimonial on the back here. Read this book, absorb it, and it will change the way you use your craft. I like the use of the word craft, as you know. Yes. And it will change your life. Hmm. That's a big claim. I've seen these methods used and perfected for over 20 years, and I can tell you, this is the real deal. Uh, in this perfect close, the secret to closing sales, you will learn a simple method to closing that is nearly always successful, brackets 95%, is zero pressure and involves just two questions. How traditional closing techniques damage trust and what you can do uh, to remain on emotionally higher ground. How to close sales in a way that makes clients feel more educated, in control, and see you as a facilitator and consultant, and a proven, repeatable process for advancing sales that can be used in any kind of sale at any given stage. So without any further ado, let's start uh, with the opening part of the book, why I wrote this book. Yeah, Um, I mean, I've read it. uh, And he he makes a a point here. He says, great salespeople are amazing. They are creators generating something out of nothing. And I, I highlighted that because actually I thought, okay, you got my attention here now. Because I, I don't think people talk enough about the importance of, I think a lot of salespeople have forgotten actually what's, the, what's our job. Our job as sales professionals is for our employers to create something that wasn't there. Not necessarily that I don't think it wasn't there, but we've got to be the difference between a deal happening and not happening. Yes. Uh, um. And therein lies the rub with some of the way the book's written. It's written a little bit clumsily for my... Clumsily how? Well, I think that was a bad use of language there. The salesperson's role isn't to create something of nothing. That's okay. not the salesperson's job. The salesperson's role is to put their employer in the premier position in the race to win the services that they are trying to sell. It's to not bring to value to the sales process in a way that wouldn't have happened had they not been there. Correct. I think. But, you know. So, in the introduction... Uh, I like this. You're, are you going to go on about... I call it the perfect closing. If you'd like to cut to the chase and learn it right now, jump to chapter 12. 
<laughs> Did you jump to chapter 12? I did actually. All right. I like the fact you put that. Can I go with the paragraph before? So in the introdu- we're in the introduction here, listeners. It says, It eliminates all of the stress and tension that some professionals feel when it comes to asking for commitments. And because it's facilitative, it completely eliminates the negative connotation many people associate with sales. So I'm going to be honest here, Mike. This got my hackles up a bit. It got your hackles up a bit, but the guy's right. Yeah, he is. It annoyed you. And you know what I found about the first three chapters of this book, right? Is I didn't really like it. But he's but I've right. Read enough sales books now to think you don't like it, Mike, because you're a stubborn bastard. So actually, you ought to read it properly. Yeah, I'm giving it a good go. And you don't like that because it gets your heckles up. But he is right. There is negative. There is negativity associated with sales. Now, fortunately, Jonathan, you and I don't feel it that much because we, no. we deal with salespeople. And we enjoy their company and we enjoy the work so, we do. So, so, so they don't feel negative. But if I put myself, you know, let's get it right, next-gen healthcare, please, in the title, are you not telling me that actually a lot of the people that your healthcare cohort are selling to feel negativity towards salespeople? Yeah, yes, they I mean, do. In the healthcare... Yes, they do. The, 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 the healthcare cohort I work with... I find often many of them are working very, very hard to distance themselves from the identity of being a sales professional. Yeah, and I know you don't like it, but they have to do that to a degree to be Yeah, successful. so that's a bit of my transference about the work I do and specialise in mm. a little bit, really. Okay, um, and so he's, he, 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 he does talk about that quite a bit, and then we get into chapter one. Why should I bother to learn the perfect close? Tell you what's really interesting is he's... Co- I really like that he's DJing on some of the content of... Um, you see, I didn't like that. What, that he's DJing some of the other content of some of the other great thinkers? I wasn't fond of that at all, so he makes loads of references to Spin and like Jeff Brown and all I the rest really of like that. I really didn't like that at all. I think he's bringing to, I think what he's saying is he's saying, this is, my pra- this is my paradigm, and my paradigm is based on learning from some of the great thinkers. I just didn't like that at all. What did you not like about it? Um, it's easier to say what I did like. So whilst I'm not saying it's my favourite one, I like The Wolf of Wall Street because the guy's got his own opinion. His and, own... And, and the way I consume information, Jonathan, is I'd rather just read it off myself and put it together myself. Okay. This is a bit like reading Flipboard, isn't it? Yeah, what, curated content? Yeah. Is that what you feel and like? Not, you... And it's not my particular style, but I can understand the reference. He's obviously read it. I mean, I liked his opening uh, paragraph. What, what's this? Are closing techniques like diets? Uh, I'm going to start with the first one, actually. Professionals sell about half of what they set out to sell. For a decade or more, quota attainment by professional sales reps has hovered between 50 to 60%. I don't know where he's got that stat from. But he's, I think, he's, well, I he's, think, quote, he's referenced it. I say, you are. I think he, I thought, I thought, do you know what? That's pretty realistic, I would have thought. And to be fair, he's referenced it. So I like that. It's a ref, you know, I haven't read the reference, but he has referenced it. Yes. So... Anyway, play. I interrupted you. Go on, what were you going to tell me? So, he makes point here... Oh, our uh, closing techniques like diets. I, felt, I thought that was a really interesting point. Our closing techniques like diets. Now, for me, I'll tell you what is and interesting about... his point is that a load of diets are rubbish. Ah, well... That's what he's saying, isn't it? It's interesting, isn't it? Because you could do the South Beach diet, and I could do the keto diet, and then we could do the paleo diet, and then we could go to Slimming World, or whatever. Actually... Most diets work. Most diets work if you stick to them. Yeah. But what I also wrote, he's written here, I'm a fitness buff, and unless you've been living under a rock for the past 30 years, you know there are countless diets and other dietary nutritional products promising all kinds of miraculous results. Um, 
I've learned, tried many of these diet and fitness solutions. It's now become a hobby to analyze each new diet gadget technique. And what he's saying is, huge percentage of these products are garbage. Many of them have an idea or principle that is valid, but the results are blown way out of proportion. Interesting, how you're just using this analogy. Mm. And what he's saying is, you know, there's lots of books with hundreds of sales closes in, but they're so complex. I've read hundreds of fitness books, right? Right, loads. It's, I know you have, yeah. I I've always read, ask you. I, I've read hundreds of them. The one book and the one methodology is truly the most simplest one that has made the most difference to me physically. And actually, I think the point he's making is actually you can have this diet and that diet and this complex diet and that complex diet, but actually, you want to be a good salesman, what's the most simple methodology you can use? Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't dislike his point, really. I like this bit. He said, name any book on closing, and odds are I've read it. He's going to be a good guest, isn't he? Yeah, is he going to have as big a library as Anthony Anarino? I don't know, but it's certainly going to be a measuring contest, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. And then he gets into... Tr- you see... Oh, I underline that. Tricks and manipulation techniques don't work. I, I, just, so I understand. Just sure I feel like a lot of... Know, what, know what's going on. For yeah. me, this first, this first chapter is about... Why you should learn his technique of the perfect yes, he's pitching, and not rely on other people. He's pitching his his He's thing. pitching his reason to read the to read the And book. himself and yes. he's setting the scene, isn't he? Yes, yes. So I'm not fond of this whole tricks and manipulations don't work thing. What I'm not fond of is the way in which it's presented which is he's, he's doing something very similar to what Sandler did. Oh, I thought that yeah, very You can't Sandler-y. teach a kid to ride a bicycle, which is He's telling everybody that, yeah, it's okay. We all know sales is a bit shit, but there's a better way. And then you won't feel quite so shit about it. Yes, it surprised me that it was a salesman when I read that bit. Yes, he feels a little bit like a reluctant salesman that's ended up in sales and has then said, right, I'm here, so I better get good at it. Yeah, very much Which is fair enough. Completely agree. And has found a way. But, you know, techniques, well, techniques do work. Being good at NLP works. Yeah, well, he then goes on to quote a load of techniques, doesn't he? Having great... Neil Rackham. Yeah, having great listening skills works. And I'm sorry, but sometimes using an alternate close works. Yes, that's the point. I I think he's he's referring to an alternate close as a trick. That's not a trick. That's just basic professionalism. Yes, and he's referring to, uh, you know, NLP as manipulation. It's not manipulation. So is it... what, what, What we're saying is... Oh, it's manipulation because you're mirroring and matching the client's language and you're manipulating them because you've put them into a semi-hypnotic state that allows you to perhaps more easily influence them. That's not manipulation. That's professionalism. Yeah, but Jonathan, always be closing. It's complete hogwash. Yeah, we know that. And I get that. Do you believe that? Do you honestly believe that? Um, I think the point he makes is, what he's making and, and the point he makes about always be closing is, that there is a, a clear correlation between the multiple times in which you try and close somebody in a meeting and failure. Well, he's based that on Neil Rackham's study, hasn't he? So yeah, you know, and, we, we and, can't and, dispute that. Yeah, and actually, it's pretty obvious, isn't it? If you're having to keep... It's a little bit like sometimes you heard, you, you heard me making a call to a candidate the other week about a job, and I put the phone down and you said to me, you're working too hard, Johnny. Yeah, yeah, you know it's going to be wrong. You're working too hard, mate. It's not like you that... You're spending too long with the guy trying to trying to help him and support him and talking him through this and that. And actually, guess what? The candidate didn't take the job. Why? Because he, he he wasn't bought. Yeah. And in the same way, if you're closing repeatedly, they're not bought in, are they? Absolutely, yeah. You're There's something right. fundamentally wrong with your presentation, your understanding of the client's needs, whatever it is. 
Um, it, it, here you go. One of my favorite things about the perfect close approach that makes it so perfect is that it doesn't require you to suddenly change your personality and become something you are not. You'll see that it's totally natural and absolutely non-confrontational. This allows professional and salespeople alike to close more business in a way that avoids the negative slick salesperson association that is so often well-deserved among some individuals. <laughs> That's clearly annoyed you, hasn't it? I actually wrote the word annoying. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I guess, you know what I wrote? I wrote, <laughs> I wrote, this is going to have to be good. It's making me want to read it. Yeah. It's, it's going to have to be good. I That's a it, big, bold statement. It is a really it? big, bold statement. But I get his point, and I get where he's at, which is, you know, the world has changed, and he is right. But I do... I just... that That's grated on me a little bit. Oh, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I might have mentioned it again later on. What I do like is this, you know, the concept of trust. And, and, I, and I don't want to... I want to set the record straight here. What, I'm, what I'd be very nervous to say is... What I'm not into here is manipulating clients and doing anything you can to win business. I'm not about that. You're, you're talking about the definition of manipulation. Yes, and the definition of professionalism. Yeah, yeah, I know. I knew you'd say that. So would you... So, so let's say you got... What's this guy's name? James Muir. No offence, James. I forget most people's names. Let's it's say all a got, bit rugby. Let's say you got James Muir yeah. and the wolf in the same room. What's James going to say about the wolf? Oh, uh, manipulative... Jordan Belfort would be laughing his ass off at this guy. Can we get a both of the show? Lauren, come on, invite Belford on as well. Yeah, but well, like have a debate. Yes, it'd be a good debate, though, wouldn't it? If man, what is manipulation in sales? Right, now that, you've got to write that down. That is Lauren, will you write debate. that down, mate? What is manipulation in sales? Let's get two authors on. Here's Let, a pen. Let's, let's pick both ends of the spectrum. Sorry, I've chewed the top of it. Let, let's pick both ends of the spectrum. You might want to wash your hands. Be, because, <laughs> because that's the question, is it? What is manipulation? Yeah. That would be great, wouldn't it? Like, we could do that via a call. We could do a video call. Round robin, a, a, like a debate, an Rosen. open debate. I, 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 I'll where all the guests that we've where is the far. line? Where is the line on manipulation in a sales? Because point? I think that this guy is very much at the very cautious end of manipulation. Yes. Whereas other people sell much closer to the win. And what I'm picking up on here is a guy that was probably a techie that ended up in sales oh, yeah, and doubt. woke up in salesman. Christ, I told everybody in the sales team I could nail it because I thought I was better than them. And now I've realised this is a little bit hard, but actually I didn't quite realise there was a lot more to this than I well, thought Well, in fairness, what it sounds like, you know, the first chapter to me, it says this guy, exactly as you say, he's then designed a process that clearly must have worked for him. And fair bloody play. And yes. has a, clearly a good living and fair play. And that's so, why I kept reading the book. Yes, actually. me too. I'm hanging in there. Yes, and I'm hanging and waiting for it. And that's why I didn't want to read chapter 12. It would be a little, little bit like, you know, watching the last episode of Luther or Lost you after know, you've seven got the last seasons. Episode of Luther on, on, on you know on, on, in front of you on the DVD player. <laughs> Would you watch it? You wouldn't watch it. Yes. Anyway, yeah. so chapter one I thought was okay. Yeah, and I, so then we get into chapter two. What is closing anyway? And he he quotes Anthony Anarino actually. Yes. Our our new Bezzy. Um and he says closing is the act of obtaining commitments, including all of the decisions that advance to I do really like that definition. It's a good definition, yeah. Absolutely. Very clear. Very clear. Um, and then he, he, so he goes into a basic definition here. I, I wrote a note at the top here. I really worry about this trend. We're in the business of changing outcomes, yet it's so much about guiding the customer. He talks a lot, doesn't he, about guiding the customer, and mm. we're going to come to that in a minute. And, and I do want to hear, and even in Anthony's book, I, I want to hear, I, I want to see somebody write a book 
that is about influencing outcomes. Nobody dare say that, though, dare they? No, because they're frightened. I think there is a fear amongst many of the authors we're dealing with. A fear amongst many of the authors, full stop. Yes. Full stop. Of saying, listen, guys, we're in the business of making a difference to the outcome. The outcome being, we're in the difference of adding more money to the bottom line for our employers. That's what we're here to do. So I was, I, I was... But and I, and I'm, I want to be careful because there is some. Re- what we are going to get to some good stuff here in a minute. I'll tell you what I really like. I'm really I really like that he's so close to Neil Rackham's work. Uh, I liked Neil Rackham's book, but that's where it ends. Is Neil Rackham still alive? I don't know. His book's quite old, so possibly not. I'd love to know. I'd love to wonder if wonder if we could do the book and maybe get him on the show if he is. I know nothing about the guy as an individual. I wonder if he'd make an amazing guest. Um, and then what he gets into these common mis- misconceptions about closing. So misconception one, closing gambits don't work. No, misconception one, closing gambits work. Oh, sorry, closing no gambit. Doubt. Misconception number one, closing gambits work. Well, they mis- actually make it 21% worse. Apparently. Oh, you can't argue with that. Because it's statistically based. Yeah, he's got that from a stat. And just to be clear, Jonathan, what's he saying in that... So what he's saying is, for example, you know, when I, I first started selling, I was taught something called a yes set. I remember that. So do you like what you've seen today? Yes. Uh, are you interested in it? Yes. And the idea being is you'd subconsciously teach the buyer to keep saying yes to you until in the end you'd say, so shall I, shall I uh, write up an order for you? Yes. And he's saying that that will give you a 15% decrease in the amount of business closed. Yes. That's what he's saying. <laughs> but that's what he's saying Neil Rackham said. Yeah, and Neil Rackham's study, to be fair, was definitive. It was, yes. And actually, I was then later trained in spin, and you, you, I think I've said it on this show, if I had to go to an appointment tomorrow to see a client, at the top of my notepad, it would say S-P-I-N. There'd be a picture of the table in the room, and I would write down who was where in the table, and it, then it would also would say V-A-K-O-G at the top of my call sheet. So the next one... So, then, I'm, mis- so I'm not anti-spin. Misconception two, closing more often works. Thanks to Alec Baldwin... On the, on the on poster. On the Gary Glenn Ross. Always be closing. So, so he's saying that closing more often works. He's saying it doesn't. I agree with that one. I just don't. But it must be right. What he's talking about is closing repeatedly in the purpose of a call. He's saying if, you, if you're in a call with a customer and you walk into the customer and halfway through you think, do you know what, I'm going to just have a dig at closing this guy now. Mm. And then the guy says, well, actually, uh, and he puts up an objection. And then two minutes later, you have another pop. He's saying that repeated attempt at closing is actually deleterious to, to, to your mission of winning the business. Because he must be right, I guess. But I, I think he's, be- no, I think that's I really obvious. Him. Why? So don't you close somebody, they then object, and their objection is a request for more information. Then you go back to the objection, handle the objection, the and objection, go back to the close. Again. Isn't that what happens? I think there's probably a semantic here, which the point he's making is, yeah, if you just re- if you just keep repeatedly cl- trying to close somebody... Well, you should say that, and that's what I mean about being clumsily written. Perhaps it needs to be a little bit more clear. concise. Because what Jordan Belfort would say is, if you keep trying to... Re- Jordan Belfort, Belfort would say, if you keep repeatedly trying to close somebody without handling the objections... Yeah, Jordan Belfort would lay, let, let the swing thing swing either way and then go back and close him. Yeah. Sandler would say, go back into submarine and close him again. Yeah, Jeff Barton, the objection would say, would say the objection and close him again. Handle the objection. Antti Arena would say, get deep and close him again. Yep. 
But this guy says, not that. This guy says that doesn't work. But he seems to have a statistic that says he's right. <laughs> so he must be right. I do think if you're... I think if you're being gauche is, is a word I'd use. If you're being clumsy and you're sat in front of a customer and you're saying, so, is there any reason why you don't want to buy this today, Mr. Customer? Well, actually, yeah, I've got a few issues with it, Johnny. Oh, right, okay. Well, anyway, do you want to buy it? Yeah, well, maybe you're right. I think that's going to have an immediately deleterious effect on your ability to close the business, isn't so it? So it says here, closing techniques work on all kinds of sales. Closing te- Misconception. Closing techniques work on all kinds of sales. And then he draws a comparison between low-value and high-value sales. I think that's a very valid point. Do you? Because um, what you should be doing there is breaking it down into, and you should be saying, low-value sale is often tactical. Well, I've I've talking to a candidate this morning about this. Um, and we were talking about treating an interview like a selling situation. And the point I made to him was, the irony of the interview game is that it's a high-value procurement, but it's purchased like a very low-value tactical solution. Now, I was always taught at university, for example, there are two types of purchase. There are what they call low-involvement procurements and high-involvement procurements. So what he's saying is in a low-involvement procurement, for example, a shirt... Yeah. It's low involvement. You go into town, you need... An, I don't know, I spill a cup of coffee on your shirt tomorrow you, morning. You before. did that, actually. You borrowed one of my shirts five years ago and you never returned it. You've had that shirt back. I haven't because you returned it with 34 and a half inch arms and I gave it back to you because I'm only... Th- Come th- on, I'll take you into town tomorrow and I'll buy no, a shirt. No, I'm not doing it. We'll pass that. <laughs> But so, I know your point. I know your point. You're buying a shirt, you just pick up and buy it. Yeah. So I spill a cup of coffee on you tomorrow. You've got to go to London. You go, oh, bloody hell. You walk into town, you walk into the shop. You say, I need a shirt. The fella says, what size are you? You say, I'm 15 and a half neck. He says, this one here, fella. You go, yep, yeah, great. Thanks. Bye. Done. He's closed you. He's closed You've me, got your card out. Objection. I'm not sure. Okay, mate. You don't have to buy it, but somebody else is coming in to buy it in a minute. But he, he can close. He can close you repeatedly. Right, all right, well, I'll get you another one. What about this one? And before you know it, he's going to have sold you a shirt before you've walked out the shop. Of course he Well, I wanted to buy one. But then, let's just say, I'm buying a £5 million ERP system. And that's my point. His point is he's saying, well, actually, you start closing the hell out of somebody on a £5 million ERP system with multiple calls and multiple closes in your call, and he's right, you're going to get thrown out of the room on your ass, aren't you? Depends. Because actually, I think what would happen is, is what you would do is look at each individual person and close them on their individual needs. Of course. And there are subtleties and into the way in which you operate. And you turn the big sale into lots of little sales. Oh, and he does talk about that. At some point, you've got to walk out the room with the advance. Yes, he does talk about From that, that individual stakeholder, haven't you? You have. Misconception number four. Closing techniques show you want the business. I'm going to sound like I just disagree with the guy. But I know. I think he does. And, and I I'm, can I'm understand why there. that's not important. But actually, I wrote here, sometimes actually it's quite important to show you want it. Yes. And, and let's be clear, I'm not saying I don't like the book, because I do like the book. Because he's right. He's right. Closing reckon? techniques, show it's a misconception. Oh, show him you want the business. Well, what does the client care? What's it to you? I think the client cares. But actually sometimes, in certain scenarios where what you're selling is finite, so for example, in our industry, what we sell is finite. We've only got so many bodies. Yeah, you either want to hire them or you don't. Yeah, but more it's even more so. With recruitment services, sometimes I say to clients, listen, we can only take so many projects at any given point. If you're a body shopping house or a consulting firm, actually, you can't take every there's project. A, there's only, yeah, there's only, there's, so, there's only so many man hours uh, we can Correct, and, and you and I both know sometimes we turn a project down. But 
sometimes saying to a client, do you know what, Mr. Client, this, this, is, a biz- this is a bit of business I really want, and I really want to do it because me and you are really congruent. I think I can br- do some beautiful, elegant work for you here, and I think that you can, do a, uh, you can be a great client for me and I can make some money. So I, I am going to ask you for the business today because I think it'd be great if we can work together. And I think that's an okay close. I agree. So I think if, if it's heartfelt, I think it's all right. I think the whole, but I think he's right. Oh, close him, close him to show him you want business. Misconception five, clients are happier after they've made a decision. I think he's right about that. Well, they, that's a misconception. I think so. Yeah, clients are normally I, I, far I, less happy after they've made the decision. I, I think that's something people just tell themselves. Oh, he'll be much happier once he's bought it. Yeah, no. I think that's something a sales manager tells you to, to get somebody to close somebody. Yeah, I think that's nonsense. Misconception number six, if you do everything else right, the sale will close itself. I mean, I'm a big fan of Miller Hyman, as you know, and that's sort of what it says, really. Yeah. I, I, I wrote here, doing things right makes life shitloads easier. Yeah. Was my note, question mark. I think what his point is, but again, it, it, perhaps it's, a more, it's about a clarity thing, and I'm looking forward to James coming on the show. Um, is that what he's saying is you can't just expect to close because you've done everything right. Yes, yes. So that's, you know, I haven't read it like that. I'm sure I've read right, it like, sure. that's how I've read it, is just because you, you've done everything right all the way through the process, don't think it's going to close at some point. Actually, and the point he's making is you might have done everything right all the way through the process, but don't think the deal's going to close itself. Yes, at some absolutely. point, best you get in there and ask for the business and t- and put get a contract together and get it negotiated and get it put to bed. Absolutely. And then when you get to page twenty three, he's got these closing secrets throughout the book. Yeah, I like that. I like. Yeah, I like the way they're written. Actually, I must really say. like that. I must say, I think we're going to end up with a big, long list of them that wouldn't be a bad set of rules to. It's live interesting by. he's talking about Myers Briggs here, and I've just been reading uh, Principles by Ray Dalio. Okay. Who, who became obsessed with Myers Briggs testing? Right. And ended up being in the top 100 richest people on earth. Right, fair enough. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to study a little bit more about Myers-Briggs, I think. Why traditional closing efforts fail? There are two main reasons why closing efforts fail. One, salespeople and professionals don't really make an effort. Well, he's bloody right about that. Yep. Some people just don't bother. Yep, absolutely. They don't try hard enough. They don't. They don't. They're frightened. Just all sorts of reasons, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, some people are just nervous of saying, listen, I want to do business with you. Are you in or are you not? And then he goes on to the next page. He says, when it comes specifically to closing business, I have discovered that reluctance is a symptom symptom or fear and or shame. Um, and then I ranked these. Did you read these? What? Pro- the professional fears being pushy, the professional fears Page being humiliated. Yeah, yeah. I, I ranked them, actually. Yeah, professional fears being underprepared. I thought it was right. He's saying, you know, professional doesn't like losing a sale. Professional fears being humiliated. I think that's huge. I think a lot of time people don't close so they don't lose. And I like the fact he has highlighted the professional is ashamed to be in sales. Yes, You know, absolutely. that's a big bugbear for me. Absolutely. So, you know, the book started picking up a little bit here, actually. Yes, we're, we're picking up some momentum. You always know when I'm into a book because I just make more and more notes. You know when I'm not because I don't make notes. I didn't make many, but then I started making some, actually, and I started getting a bit more into it. Um, and so this chapter basically covers a lot of the reasons that... Um, the misconceptions about closing. So, he's so what do you think about this? Uh, making money is a wonderful effect of closing well, but life is about more than making money. It's about making a difference in the lives of others. Well, interestingly, what's the book you're reading at the minute? You told me this when we were talking earlier, and I said, I'm reading it. 
Oh, High Performance Habits by Brendan Bouchard. High Performance Habits by Brendan Bouchard. The chapter I've just finished is... Purpose. Oh, I'm on purpose next. The one I've been reading, the one I've literally finished in the car this morning on the right. way to work. How weird that you're listening to that. Mad that, isn't it? So listeners, We're... just as a quick FYI, completely without discussing this, Mike and I, outside of reading these sales books, both reading exactly the same book at the same so time. So have you heard the bit, the bit where he's talking about uh, the diver who had... So he's talking about Olympic diver or some form of diver who used to dive so much, used to put tape on the bottom of his feet, etc., etc. He got completely hammered in a competition. Then he stopped, stopped diving. And then he picked up teaching people. And he found that by giving to other people, he then reignited his he own He got his himself. mojo back for doing the work. Correct, yeah. And I think this is what our man's referring to. It's about making a difference in the lives of others. When I first read this, I thought, what a load of absolute nonsense that is. But then having read the book, I've read about peak performance. I think he might have a point, actually. And that's the point about reading the book. I've got to keep reading the book because otherwise I'd just chuck it out the window. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's I, easy to pass past that. I think, oh, it's garbage. What, what are you on about, pal? Life's about more than making money. It's about making a difference in the lives of the others. Well, it, it, Brendan Bouchard would say, absolutely. He'd would say, it? yeah. If you, read, if you read High Performance Habits, he'd just say, high performers have a higher purpose than just the basic elements of survival. So, yeah, I get that. And then, but then we go into closing secret number four. Understanding that closing is helping your client and in alignment with your personal values can eliminate reluctance. I just thought that was completely the opposite to what he'd said on page 19, which is clients are happier after they've made a decision. Yeah, but I wrote, I didn't really want a self-help book. <laughs> <laughs> well, what are all these books we read? They're all self-help books. Well, uh, no, I... I, I well, Brendan Bouchard, High Performance Habits, is a bit self-helpy. Um, I really wanted more. I'm not really interested in you helping with my personal life. But I get it. Understanding that closing, your help, closing is helping your client and is in, and in alignment with your personal values can re- eliminate reluctance to close. I get that. You see, you and I, I think we have to look at it in context. You and I, one, have been in sales and recruitment a long time. Two, we hang around with salespeople all day many of whom are tough, blood-dripping-off-their-teeth salesmen. They're just used to it, aren't they? Some of, some of the guys we deal with are bloody tough animals. Mm, I think so. Vicious buggers. But then equally, we deal with plenty of people who actually have that value challenge with their sales careers. And the point is, he's making, and he's right, is understanding that closing is helping your client and in alignment with your personal values will eliminate reluctance to close. And it's a reframe for those people that are sat there thinking, oh, God, if I close this customer, it's taxpayers' money into the NHS. Mm. Oh, that, that, I think that's a reframe for those people. Possibly, possibly. And that's a fair reframe. Now, chapter three, I thought chapter three was a lot better, actually, I must say. All right. I actually, right at the start of... Uh, so, of each chapter, once I've read it, I put better chapter. So, James, I'm just James. If you're listening to the show, I want to just caveat something here. We're really, really looking forward to you being guest on the show, and I, I have actually really enjoyed what I've read out of the book, and I've really learned a bit. But I am going to disagree a bit vehemently here with something. Which one? Probably more dis, more vehemently than I've ever disagreed with anything on the book club show thus far. Go on, then. Which one? I'll stand up for you, James. I like this chapter. I'm going to go into this. So, as you think, so he starts off with adopting the right mindset. He says, why do I want to advance this sale? Why do I want to close? Actually, think about it. What's driving your desire to move the opportunity forward? As you think of the reasons, list them on a piece of paper. 
Most people have less than five real reasons or drivers. Give it a shot. I promise the quick exercise will pay off. Now look at your list. Which one would you say is your top driver? Which is secondary? And so on. Quickly prioritise them by what is motivating you the most. Now complete the following sentence by inserting each of your motivations. Um, and then he gives an example. Thanks for meeting me with me today. My top priority is to... Right? And try it for each of the drivers you wrote down. So what he's trying to say to you is... Think how it feels if you were to admit to your customer that your top priority in the reason you're in that appointment... It's to pay school fees. It's to pay the school fees, the bills, the mortgage, and have a really good holiday this year. And I've written down, I think this is horrifically disingenuous. <laughs> I think it's appalling. Okay. I, I did. I thought it was really disingenuous, actually. Um, and I, I'm going to... I get his point about mindset and projection, and I th he's absolutely right. What's your nonverbal communication say? Great topic. I think this is brilliant. How he talks about, so let's just give this into context. What he's talking about is if you walk into a meeting and you project, listen, mate, I'm only here for the money, you are done. Yeah. <laughs> if that's your projection, if you project snarky, money driven salesman, you're done, you're in trouble. People, and and he, the, I think he mentions, doesn't it, commission breath? Yes, he does. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. love that. Yeah. And something, and I've had that before, where you see it, it, it. We had a fellow that used to work for us, and I remember once a client, the, the ginger fellow, and a client once said to us, "I can smell, I can smell it on him." Oh uh, yeah, I know the client. He ended up being a friend. Yeah, I can smell it on him. I know how badly he wants to close me, but. What's wrong with me pitching up at an appointment and saying, thanks for meeting me with me today. My top priority today is that ideally I'd really hope that I can sell this solution to you, Mr. Customer. And in doing so, if I'm really honest about it, I'm going to earn a nice whack of commission. Now, for me to do that, it's really important that I look after you. I do the best possible job for you, that I care for you, and I really understand your needs. Because if I don't do that, it's not, we will never know whether the product's right for you or not. And if it's not, trust me, I'm going to walk away. But if it is, then I'm going to ask you to sign a contract and we're going to move the deal forward. I think that's honest. I think that's so trustworthy. Point? My point is, having a different approach that says you're not there to earn money, what the hell are you in sales for? Uh, yeah. I just really, I just, I didn't like that at all. I think that's very dangerous. Okay. And I think it's very dangerous for a salesperson to start lying to himself that he's not in the room because he's there to earn money. We're in sales to earn money. I disagree. Completely disagree. So I think, Whoa. So I think that, that salespeople chase one of two things first. Glory. No, they either chase money yeah. or success. Yeah. Now, if you want loads of money... Starting off with success is a good thing to chase. Yes. If you want success, chasing money is a good thing to, to chase. But they're intertwined. They're, they're inter exactly, they're intertwined. And I think, in fairness to James Muir, this is my point about it, just not being clinically written enough for me. I think that might be his point. Is that I've, do you think I've missed the point? Possibly. I don't know, really. But I do think what he's, he's absolutely right. He's right about, I think it's about, the, about the concept of your nonverbal communication and what you project to a customer is incredibly important. And having the right mindset 
that then creates your projection walking into the appointment, I think is absolutely... I wrote at the top, he's talking about this guy, Paul Ekman and Lightman, and about how gauging people's nonverbal stuff. Guys, listeners, everyone, this is re- this is where the book started to get good for me. Like I say, I like this chapter. Um, that was a good chapter. You know, there's a really great phrase we always say in NLP, which is, you cannot not communicate. Do you know, I wrote that down somewhere in this chapter. We all communicate all the time. And when you walk into a client appointment, even when you think you're not communicating, you're communicating something. You're yes. giving something away non-verbally, whether that's in what you're wearing, what you're doing, how you're sitting, how you're standing. And I think that's so vital. And I think he's so right. Um, and he clearly is incredibly well read on the subject. He is. Yeah. Hey, our commission breath, you underline it there. Yeah, I loved that. It's Absolutely tough one, though, because he, he talks about under how to adopt the right mindset, intent matters more than technique. Yeah. You can talk... Intent can, matters more than technique. You can talk about that for a long time. Intent matters more than technique. What's my intent? I live in Leeds. The client's based in Brighton. <laughs> Why am I here at 10 o'clock on a Monday morning? I'm here to win some business. Yeah. And that's a and hard that thing to goes against his other part, you know... Uh, yeah, what's my intent? It's four o'clock cl- Friday afternoon. Closing techniques show you want the business. Surely if I've been there at 10 o'clock on a Monday morning, you're I'm showing sure I want the business. Yeah, and it's just a little bit disjointed because of that. But I mean, you know, does intent matter? But does intent matter more than technique? Yeah. Yeah, I think it does. I think it does. And I think he's right. I, I wrote here, congruence is everything. Absolutely. Now, and then we get into, how do I get myself into the right mindset? The first one is lose the ego. So in the book, we're both reading Jonathan inadvertently. Have you got the bit where he's talking about ego yet? I haven't. Right. But I, I've got... It's you're going to read the book on on, on on ego, and you're going to think to yourself, this fellow James Muir must have read that book. Okay. So it's interesting, the whole thing about losing your ego, and I get it. My concern with that is, all right, how? That's well, easy, isn't it? No. I think it is. It's I, easy for me and you. I think it's easy for anybody. All you've got to do is understand it. Yes. All you've got to do is understand it. Anyone can understand, Jonathan. Anybody that can't understand stuff like that has just been lazy. Well, a lot of the people we deal with are lazy. Well, they're not very good salespeople, then, are they? Because actually, you know, so something I'm really into um, is meditation. I am a dedicated meditator. <laughs> dedicated meditator. Let's and yogi. And yogi. Let's hope you don't lose And, and yoga is a moving meditation. Okay. And I'm very into understanding and being aware of what I'm thinking and what's going on in my mind. And, and actually, I've just about a year and a half, two years in now, I'm starting to get real benefit from it. It's starting to make a big difference to my life. My concern is to be aware of your own ego is actually quite a big achievement. Possibly. I think that's a big achievement to actually know that you've got an ego, to actually know you're being egotistical. I think it would be fair for most salespeople to assume that they are egotistical. I think it's just... Uh, my note was, I've put, I think that's a lot harder than it's... A lot harder done than said. Possibly, yeah. And then he talks about some other things. Uh, positive recall, always like that. Love that. Anchoring again. I, I wrote here, very simple, very nice. Yeah. Posture to improve emotion and physiology. Let's get it right, Jonathan. We've got standing desks. Yeah. Uh, hey, pricey. We had standing desks seven, eight years ago. Yeah, yeah. It makes a difference. And I like this. He's given a couple of pictures here of non-verbal yeah, communication. I, thought, I was interested in that. I actually, when I was reading that, I thought we, um, I didn't like either of those pictures really. I don't think I ever do that. Should we be doing that or not? What, before we walk into a meeting? Yes. 
Starting there like we're going to give somebody a hug. I think we should try it. Right, next, right, guarantee. Next client I say, I'm going to give him a hug. <laughs> I wonder how comfortable they're no, going to be. No, because what he's, he's not saying that. He's I not, know he's not. He, what he's actually saying is, adopt that posture just before you walk into the meeting. Like the, so, so for those of you watching in black and white, the man's going... <laughs> the pink is the hey, one. For those, hey, of you like watching, the yeah, for those of you watching in black and white, the pink is behind the red. Exactly. Um, um, but, you know, that's interesting, isn't it? Enter with the right intent. It was, I think that's really interesting, that whole thing. And we've talked before about this, about the whole non-verbal communication thing. And it is a rabbit hole. Uh, it, it's a big rabbit hole. And what he's done is he's boiled it down into a very small one-page explanation, which you actually, you know, if you didn't know anything about non-verbal communication, if you tried that, but equally, so again, there's a congruence thing there. I think you would look really uncomfy doing that. Do you reckon? <laughs> yeah, I think I would. But I know you in particular, that whole... That's just not your demeanour. I wouldn't know that, Jonathan. I still wear. But a suit. you're actually quite a sincere bloke in your intent with how you work with your clients. Yeah, definitely. But I think you you stood there, sort of all, "Hey, I'm open. It's all all right. <laughs> I'm warm." I think that would be tough for you. So I don't know. But then he's talked about enter with the right intent, and you've put, and I've written here. Well, Mike's big fan of affirmations. Huge, yeah. And that works for you, and I like that. Positive self-talk. I think that's fair enough. I agree, yeah. You're a tiger. <laughs> uh, and then he talks about sharing your, sharing your intent. Uh, Tell the client what your intentions are. They will still they will still look for congruence between your verbalisation and body language. And when they match, you will improve your impression by yet another level. Yes, but I think this was the bit where it, got, it went back to being disingenuous again. Do you reckon? Yes. Oh, I don't agree with that, actually. For... I, I, I think he's saying it's disingenuous. It's not important that I get maximum profit from a deal. I just need to make sure I'm in the black. Yeah, but bear, yeah, but bear in mind, that's just his example. He's not telling you to say that. How about, okay, Mr. Client, that, it's it? important that I get a fair profit, but it's also important I get a good deal for you. Yeah, I, I have found when we're negotiating with new uh, providers, if they say, yeah, 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 listen, Mike, I'm going to charge, you know, you can only charge 25%. And I say, but I don't make a profit of that, so I'm going to not be, not be motivated to work at that level. They're quite happy with that, actually. Yeah. Well, that's all he's sort of saying, I think. I didn't think that was that bad at all. I quite liked it, in fairness. But maybe we're lucky because we sell to salespeople, so therefore we're in a position where we can possibly... And maybe I'm... my con Therefore my context is wrong. Because we often sell to salespeople, you and I are in a great position where I can say to a client, ah, I still don't... It's just not adding up for me. What do you mean it's not adding up for you? I'm at about 20% margin, really. I, I think our clients could say that to their clients, don't you? I think that some of so the people say, that some of our customers sell to, they they can't be that honest. So let's say you're an, you're an ERP reseller, you sell SAPB one, yeah, and I'm the I'm the sales guy. You know, you're the uh, you're the prospect, yeah, and you try and beat me up on price, and you, and I say, listen, Jonathan, I'd really like to do some business with you. Uh, it's the end of my it's the end of my target year. It'll help me personally, but more than that, I actually think that we're a really good provider in this market. I think in terms of what you're looking for. You're going to choose us or another. I think we'll do a great job for you. But actually, if you push me beyond that point, I'm going to walk away. And I think then you'll buy it from somebody else and then you'll get a poor service. Yeah. Don't you think that's a nice close? I think that's fine. Well, that's what he's saying, though. I think he's being a bit disingenuous, but maybe I've just misread it. Fair enough. 
Depends what time you read it, I guess. Was it four o'clock this morning? <laughs> no, it was about 11 o'clock last night. Fair enough. And then closing secret number five, which I do think is, is a good one, is intent matters more than technique. And I wrote here, I agree, but holy cows, please be careful. Yeah, you'd be better off getting some technique as well. Yeah. I wrote, totally agree, but holy cow, please be careful. Um, and I think you and I both need to visit puremure.com. Puremure.com. And have a look at some of the, the accompanying stuff. So... It's been an interesting three chapters. I'll tell you what, it sparked more debate, this three chapters amongst you and I, and more discussion than perhaps actually their lunch did. More disagreement, which is never a bad thing. Because we just totally... But, again, listeners, get the book, read I, it. Yeah, I mean, what, you know, the question He's is... He's got me thinking about a few things. It's and three that's chapters the, in, would I read the book? I don't even know how much it costs, but would I buy the book? Probably, yes. Come on, guys, it's what? nine quid or something on Amazon. It's self-published on Amazon, hasn't it? It's printed by Amazon. Yeah, it's an Amazon print. I, I, I do think it's a good read. I think that there are some really good things. Some of The fact that we're talking about closing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a bad thing at all, is it? For me, it's a little bit like when we were talking about objections with Jeb Blunt. Um, it's, not, that, it's not as slickly written as some of those guys. I think this guy has self-published it. Yes. I don't think he's had a publisher. You can just tell by how it's written, actually. But we're clearly dealing with a guy here who really, really is a serious student of the craft. He's going to be a very knowledgeable man. And has little things like the stuff on nonverbal, really good. The li these little closing secrets, really like. All right, we can debate around some of this sharing of intent and being open and honest and creating the intent. But actually... I kind of quite enjoyed this first three chapters. Do you know, it's funny discussing it with you now, I enjoyed it more than I thought I did. Yes, I've, I've quite enjoyed it, actually. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping people will read along with us with it, because actually, as I got, I, I read ahead a bit last night, Mike, chapter four is pretty good. Yes, I've not read that yet. Yeah, I, I, I really liked chapter four. And the whole, it, what, what we get into in the next few chapters, he talks about chapter five is what he calls a critical advance. And we're getting into some really nitty-gritty at this point about continuation and advances. And chapter six, and I do think this is a really good one, how to set cool objectives. I like that. I love, uh, the, yeah, I mean, it's been... I love the fact that somebody's talking about pre-call planning. And chapter yes. seven, why should this client see me? Like that. Cool. So I'm really looking forward to getting into that next week. Um, Lauren, do you want to cue the music? Oh, that ended quickly. Thank you for coming to Book Club. We'll see you next week. Bye.